Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Mark Smith and I'm the tech editor of Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Jubilee. Hailing from Miami, Jubilee Sound mixes the city's bass heavy 808s with threads of hip-hop, dancehall, grime and electro. But these days she's based in New York City, having become a key part of Dre Skull's Mix Pack crew. A few months after the release of her debut album, RA's Max Pearl stopped by the Mix Pack recording studios to talk Miami music history with Jubilee, along with the state of club music today and what it was like to defeat Wiley in last year's Red Bull Culture Clash. As always, you can find our full archive of exchanges at residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at RA-Exchange. The exchange with Jubilee is up next. here with New York DJ and producer Jubilee. Hello. How are you doing, Jess? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me. We are here at the Mix Pack Label Studios, which is the label that she records for. She just released her debut album, and I thought that would be a good excuse to get her in and <laughs> ask her about her life story. So You're in the room where the album was made. So Jess, how does it feel having your first album out? It feels good. It feels like I have a child now. It's weird because I've known about it forever and it's pretty new to anybody else. So it's like this thing I've known about for two years or that I've been not showing anybody that now everybody sees in full. It's kind of like I haven't really showcased such a big project like that in my life. So it's kind of a strange thing to see. So you're the type of person who likes to keep something under wraps not give away. I don't really like to talk about things until it's done or until the check is signed and like mailed. I mean, I was talking about it a little bit, but there's so many things you could talk about that aren't going to happen or that aren't going to get finished or you'll get distracted. So I didn't really go in about it so much. Right. Until it was, it was done. And then when it was out, I was like, okay. Did you take to, like, the album format? Because I know, you know, what you produce is, is pretty banging club music, and I know that that's not always suited to the album format. So was that a process for you, trying to get it to Totally, fit? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I usually only make club EPs or, like, one track. So it was cool to, to make that weird interlude and tell a story. I just remember moments of being like, oh, this is what this is. Like, you know, if there's a song called Spring Break on there. And um, 
it's basically like you can hear police sirens and you can hear the ocean. And in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of like coming down or like waking up early after passing out on the beach or like whatever. And you can't really capture that in a club track. So it was my first time really getting a little bit more open, I guess, when I used to look at things on a DJ side where I was like, okay, this is the intro and I want to play a song like this. So I'm going to make this because this is a club tool for me. Instead, it was like, this is when I was little. and So a little bit more of like a storytelling or like yeah, narrative element. For sure. I mean, it was a very narrative album. And so a lot of it is about you're kind of channeling your experiences of, of clubbing in your hometown of Miami. Just nightlife in general and and living a life where you had to find like-minded friends and family that weren't of the norm. <laughs> and I mean, we've been talking clearly about safe spaces and an arts community like this week after the Oakland thing. And it's it was a very and still is a very important thing to me. And when I was young, things were extremely divided. Like you were either like in high school and like went to house parties and like three people in my high school were weird ravers. And it was the only place I could go where everybody was kind of like me, which was a weird thing because they, a lot of them weren't the best people because it was a look down upon scene. So yeah, you did find the unicorn of like a wonderful, you know, special raver person. But in Miami, anyways, it was a lot of drugs, a lot of weird outcasts, like that were outcasted for a reason. And it was kind of a split thing for sure. So there are dark parts of the album where you would find the wrong person very often. And then you would find the right person. And especially when you're young. Yeah. I mean, when you're young and you meet someone that's that's so different it's exciting to you and then they're they could be a terrible person like beyond terrible <laughs> you know and you're like cool I had to find this out this way and when there's no rules around and there's no supervision and you're young like weird shit happens so yeah so obviously i want to ask you about growing up in the miami rave scene but i'm going to get to that in a little bit yeah and, um, first i want to talk about there's two features on your album there's a hood celebrity and I think his name is Otto von Chirac. Yes. 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 Who are those? Can you introduce those two characters? Otto has been around for a while. He's Mr. Miami. He's as Miami as it gets. And he's been... I first heard him because he was part of like the whole schematic thing in Miami. You know, a lot of the local like IDM music that kind of went in and out of the break scene. So he was on these all these IDM tracks and... He has like one album of just throwing up noises. Like he's like a total crazy person. And then he kind of just kept popping up a little bit. He was the one that did the voice on Mode Selectors Hyper Hyper. And he always kind of made these songs that like to me had this new sound of what was going on in like Holotronics days or Mode Selector or, or like kind of grimy. And also still had like the 808s and the Miami bass and the robot voices and like whatever. And then I wound up befriending him later on. And he, his live show is just, I mean, look up his boiler room if you're listening, because everybody that sees it is like, oh, that dude, <laughs> you know? So 
in my head, I was like, if I'm going to make an album with Miami sounds and 808s and all this stuff, like, obviously, I want Otto to be on it. So he has albums for days and songs for days and different side projects. And he's just, he's amazing. And he's also just sort of like a legendary figure in the Miami scene itself. Right? I mean, like... he has an official Gloria Estefan remix. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow, he got that major label money. Yeah. Like, not just that, but she, like, loves him. Why wouldn't you? You know? He's, like, just this weirdo Cuban that has kind of stayed down there and, like, created his own scene. And he's friends with everybody. And, like, he just kills it. So... I really, he's, he's one of my favorite artists. So, and when we did that track together, I, I just basically was like, Hey, I made this tune. I want you on it. I want you to like totally do your thing. And it kind of has the influence of like an old uncle Al song or an old two life crew song. And I was just like, you know, do your, like that. A lot of those songs have like a chant for whatever dance you're supposed to do. A lot of instructional Miami dance move songs out there. So I think we kind of like went in that direction with like a little bit more acid and, and whatever. And he just nailed it and sent it back and sent me like a bunch of different options, you know, and super easy to work with and positive. And we did it together in at our Basel last week and hood celebrity obviously is like, she's from New York. She's from the Bronx. She kills it. She kills it in the studio. She's a badass female, which is what we all need in our life. Another one telling everybody to dance. She came in here and knocked it out of the park, like, within an hour. You know, drank Henny. <laughs> like, oh, she's yeah. she's really rad. And I love her YouTube videos. I always have. And I just think that she's, like, really a star. She brought the biggest pile of notebooks to the studio that I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh, I wrote all these songs. And me and Dre were like, okay, <laughs> like you've been working for sure. It was really cool working with her. And I'm glad that we keep in touch because like, I definitely would like to work with her more often, have her go outside the box a little bit because she's like straight up dance hall. Right. right you right. know? Not like hipster dance hall crossover. No, like she's like... <laughs> Like, she said she heard wine up, and she was like, okay, this is, like, a different BPM, like, a different sound, but she killed it. Yeah. yeah she's yeah. like, she said, she's like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I didn't know how this was going to go, but, like, it's really cool because I play it a lot, and I, it, people either know it or they love it, and it's, like, just a really good feeling that this girl took this risk with me, who she didn't know, and it became a song that a lot of people like. So I don't know. You don't think about whether people are going to like something. You just make it. Right. I mean, I don't anyways. Maybe some people do. So I want to get back to um, Miami bass and Florida breaks and all this stuff. Because for me, you know, I only came to that a few years ago. But I remember you said in another interview that you, when you moved to New York, you thought it was crazy that people didn't know all of these songs that you grew up with because it was so common on the radio and it was such a big part of the culture. Yeah. So can you talk about like the role that that the local music played in Miami huge like so big and you'll even see it now it's funny this is being recorded a week after Art Basel I played Peach Fuzz which is like the local rap party there and it's kind of this great party in Miami where like every walk of life just comes and it's just fun and open format DJing in Miami is a little bit different because Miami clubs are open from 10 to 5 
So you kind of have to like keep the momentum going like all night. And there's all different kinds of people that come from 10 to 5. There's your 10 to 12 crew and your 12 to 1 crew. And then like there's all the bartenders and DJs that get off and come between 4 and 5. And Bren Mar went on. It was great. And then Adrian, his DJ name is spelled DZA. DZA. He got on and um, just immediately went into Miami base and like the whole place went nuts. And like, no matter what, no matter what age, no matter what, I mean, if you're little, your, your parents listen to it. Or if you're my age, like that was your childhood music. And it's just there every bar mitzvah, every wedding. So I know it's like that here with house music. I feel like classic house and like everywhere has like their regional kind of music and that's how it was there. But it was, I mean, literally there are commercials on the radio for insurance lawyers that, that cover my neck and my back. <laughs> how does it go? Do they, do they replace the lyrics? Um, like There are two. There's one. We have to look it up. Okay. There's one. It's like, it says my neck, my back, and like I can't remember. But it's on. It's on the radio. I think I ha- I actually recorded it because I was like, this is a lot. Incredible. Um, and then there's another one to the dip. That's like you crashed your car into my whip. <laughs> like, it's like so. It's like that. Like lawyers and like commercials and whatever are on it, and and cheerleading and football games. Clearly, obviously, like. I mean, I was I was a cheerleader, <laughs> um, and all of our songs were like basically two live crew covers, but in nicer, nicer lyrics. Right, right, right. right. So it really was like a way of life down there, and I just never thought about it until I moved here and started DJing. And I was like, how does nobody, how has nobody danced to this stuff in their life? I I don't get it. Like, yeah, there are some hoes in this house, or. The one that was there, uh, Hoochie Mama was in a couple movies, and something was in Donkey Butt was in Bring It On, I think. But um, this was like twenty four seven for us. So I guess because I don't know, I was like in my head constantly. So when I moved here, I was playing dance music and just like, how's this not? And then you would see people like DJ Assault or Godfather like play a lot of that stuff, quick mixing it in and out with Ghetto Tech. And that's why I loved all those Chicago DJs because, or Detroit DJs, either one, and a lot of ghetto tech music because they were such quick mixers and so good. And they would go from ass and titties to pop that pussy like really quick. And I was like, oh, well, these DJs are cool because they know all of this. I feel like there's like that kind of New York, Detroit, Miami connection that happens with like post-Africa Bambata Electro with the Detroit right. Electro and Ghetto Tech. And then you have the Miami base down there and it kind of cultivated itself in kind that time. Kind of, yeah. And L.A. too. Because one thing that I know, L.A. has a, you know, plays freestyle. And that's also a big part of it. Freestyle music, Chicago, New York, Miami, L.A., maybe a little bit of Texas, San Francisco. But really, like, when we did that boiler room in L.A. and I was playing, like, straight up, freestyle influence music like people were going nuts and i don't know if that would have translated in other places because i know la like feels that raver breaks right 
like sound right. really hard. It's funny that you say that because I, I also have a compilation called Magic City that I've done two of, and it follows that sound. And I, I put out two before my album. And one person that I love that I put on the second one is this guy, Black Noise. And he's originally a hip hop producer. He's produced for World's Fair and Wiki and a bunch of Queens rappers. And he's worked with Fool's Gold, like worked with a ton of people. But his dance music is very Detroit because he's from there. But it sounds, it's friends with Miami. Like when I, when he sent me all his tunes, I was like, this shit is so good. So he's on there and he just makes like this electro that, that follows that whole sound. And I think without even knowing it, right, right, right. his dance tunes are like, so people need to get on that for sure. You know, Florida breaks is a kind of a distinct category. Like, was that the sound of what you were raving to when you were 16 and wearing Jinkos and a yeah. pacifier in your mouth? But <laughs> I only did the pacifier thing for like a week. Okay. I, I got over the candy like really fast. Miami was way different than like most Florida breaks because it added a lot of that stuff in it. Like you would hear Planet Rock and you would hear straight up like PLAY or like whatever freestyle song in addition to like DJ Icy. It was kind of like this mix of like Egyptian Lover songs, Anthony Rother from Germany, Dynamics 2. It was like a lot more like I want to say like ghetto breaks, like very like bass heavy car sound system grittier and darker right if you moved up n more north in florida it got like a lot more trancey because florida was really i mean trance festivals were massive in florida before anything so where i was it was definitely a lot heavier it was just a lot darker i feel and a lot less trancey Less psychedelic, like less influenced by European vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Miami just had its own thing. There was, you know, I mean, Dynamics 2 was huge there. I don't know. There are so many records that I didn't know the names of because I was really young. But yeah, it did get a little cheesy here and there. But the further up north you went, it's kind of cheesy. That's crazy that there's like regional micro scenes where, you know, you could plot. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I would have never really noticed it, but I moved to Orlando later on, and I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. And then I would go, like, listen to drum and bass, and that's why I started listening to drum and bass, is because they, Central Florida had a pretty decent drum and bass scene. So I was like, oh, I'll just do this. And then I moved here to New York and there's definitely no breaks here. I mean, the kind of breaks I like anyways. So I remember reading that I think one of your first real DJ gigs here was in the side room at a drum and bass night called yeah. Direct Drive. Yes. Can you, what was the scene there? It was weird because when I moved here, drum and bass had a weekly every night that was, and literally every night, like Monday through Sunday. And none of them were packed. They should have just done one. <laughs> I was like kind of trying to make friends and trying to like find music people and and find like this home in New York and through message boards and <laughs> weekly drum and bass parties. I did meet a lot of really wonderful people that I still talk to today and hang out with. But Direct Drive was like the bigger Saturday night that would get whoever you know, craze, anywhere from craze to LTJ Bookham to high contrast. 
So that crew of people like went every Saturday night, no matter what, because there was always someone good. And that's where we went to hear Jungle. So this was like 2004. Yeah, because I moved here in 2003. And I would say that I finally started. It takes a while here. So I finally started making friends in like 2004, five. 2003, I was just, like, lost. Like, where am I? Like, walking around listening to weird music, trying to figure out New York. And I was just kind of, like, this weird young girl that, like, didn't really know what to do. And just started going, like, smiling. Like, someone be my friend. Hi. And then, like, going on message boards and being like, I was there. It was cool. And then eventually, like, meet your friends, you know? Eventually started playing the side room at direct drive which basically cliff dj soul was like just do whatever you want like you have cute girlfriends and like you guys like to party and take shots and like we need that and so that was like garage two-step type stuff yeah 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 you were playing sure. in the side well, room? i was just like you know at the time and there was like what limewire like whatever you were using all this stuff was on vinyl People that cry about vinyl DJing, it's like, okay, you find all the new stuff and play it on only vinyl. Have fun, (laughs) you know? Everything was dub plates. Everything was, like, drum and bass was very, like, exclusive. Like, oh, you don't have that dub plate. Or, oh, he has that dub plate. Or, like, you didn't play on MP3s. So, like, with me, I was just downloading, like, 92, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, files of, like, shitty DJ assault songs or like whatever was going on at that time. And just like playing it on burning a CD and like playing it on CD. And then we would have like a crazy party where we were all taking shots and screaming about pussy and like whatever, you know? So I was doing that and then like, didn't ever think to take it seriously really, but eventually started getting real bookings and saying to myself, like, well, I better fucking learn how to DJ like right now, you know? So I had to figure that out very quickly. Totally. Your DJ name is obviously a reference to the X-Men. Yeah. Um, are you like a comic book nerd? I wouldn't say I'm a comic book nerd. I, I will read them and I was into them and I always loved Jubilee and all the girls from the X-Men. I had all the cards and I was in and out with reading it really. But that was always my screen name. And I didn't give myself that DJ name. That was what was given to me. <laughs> So I feel like I never really said, oh, I'm going to be Jubilee. My screen name from every walk of internet, whether it was MySpace or any message board, like just started putting me on flyers as Jubilee. And it just happened. Wow. So message boards were like a big part of your early DJ career, huh? A lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I was on Breakbeat Science a lot because of that record store. And I wasn't really like meeting people from it, but it was more like, oh, hey, that's your name, you know, when we would be talking. And then throughout that, I I was on a grime message board, dubstep forum. If you were into music, you were on these things. I still have people come up to me to this day. You know who you are. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was on the holler board. And like in your head, you're like, oh, so you've been lurking me for years, you know, Whether you were active or not, some people just read them and got music off of them and, like, knew where to look. But, you know, Dubstep Form, Breakbeat Science, and Diplo's message board were, like, really influential 
in early electronic music. Can you sure. talk about the hollerboard specifically? Yeah, of course. I feel like there's a lot of history <laughs> I love there. Talking about the hollerboard. <laughs> Speaking of the hollerboard, I'm having like I'm DJing with Diplo this weekend and Michna, so that's like everybody keeps saying like, "Oh, cool, hollerboard throwback lineup reunion." Yeah, um, that was cool because I started the drum and bass and the dubstep is so salty a lot of the time and. The hollerboard was funny because it was just like a little bit of a different attitude, I think. Like it didn't take itself so seriously? Not as seriously as those two, which I loved. And I loved everybody on it. And I'm lucky because a lot of girls get a lot of shit on the internet, whatever they do. And like, I think that I made it pretty far without like getting like ripped apart (laughs) still to this day. If you'd like to rip me apart, you know where to find me. But... The hollerboard was cool because it was, like, funnier. And, like, people were just really excited about music on there. And, like, really into sharing. And, like, put it, there was a section called Air Horns. And, like, anyone from Diplo to Duke Dumont to whoever, and, and you name it, they were on there, would put all, like, their remixes and whatever and Bok Bok and Elvis. Bok Bok. I met Bok Bok on there. I yeah. met Bok Bok because he was talking about grime. Really hard to find all vinyl still kind of at the time. No one liked grime at this time. And I and he was, you know, one of the first people that really got into like regional music in the States. Like he was like, you know, he just signed Jay Heat like and was into Baltimore Club and into all of this stuff like really early on. So I messaged him, I PM'd him <laughs> and I was like, Hey, can we trade like a bunch of grime for a bunch of Miami bass? And that's how I met Bok Bok. So like they were all on there. So many people like, so I just thought that it was cool that like Cosmo Baker's on there and so is Bok Bok and Diplo's pretty active on there and people like DJ Ayers, who was hilarious. And it just was a really at the time, cool message board for new and exciting things with a lot of innocence and a lot of just like, I'm experimenting with this breakbeat and then like dances with white girls, like wilding out on everybody and Ellie Escobar rolling his eyes. <laughs> you know, it's kind of just like this massive dance music community all together. There was like some, some fairly epic drama that would go down on like a weekly basis on that thing, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Always. And like, it was funny for the memes, but like, look where memes got us, (laughs) you know, like it was funny to read. And yeah, you would definitely be like, like hooked on it, like just because you, it was an addiction, but I couldn't get down. There was a lot of slut shaming on there and a lot of stupid stuff. It's like, you're lucky there's even women on this message board. Everybody chill. True. (laughs) (laughs) So you also worked at a, a nightclub called Studio B. I did, <laughs> which yeah. I think um, is kind of like an. It was really exemplary of like what was happening at the time. Yeah, a can little you... bit before its time. If that would have been now, it would have been crazy. Mm-hmm. Can you can you set the scene for us? How did I start working there? I started interning for Modular Records, which at the time was Soulwax, had their American distribution on there the Claxons and New Young Pony Club. It was kind of like this cool rise in indie rock. And there was a lot of Australian bands. So they opened up an office in in New York, in Chinatown. So I was interning there. And 
working the door at Studio B for a little while with Josh and Dave from Fixed, who still do Fixed at Goodroom, by the way, and it's still the best party ever. And they're really awesome guys. Like, And I worked for them for a while, and then something happened where Studio B was going to close, and then Josh and Dave because they only had their party there, like, took it over for a while. They were like, please don't close this club. Like, we'll run it. Just, like, let us run it. So I helped manage a lot of the nights there for them. Just kind of, like, artist hospitality and paying everybody and, you know, just keeping the show running for them. Josh is still a super good friend of mine, and I love him. And um, What kind of acts came through there? Like Everything, really. I mean, I saw... I had a party called Flashing Lights with Nick Catch Dubs and Airs that I'm sure you went to. And we had LaRue's first show there. We had Flostradamus there, Diplo, all the Mad Decent parties were there. Ed Bank Justice played there for the first time in New York. I've seen so many good shows there. And like, it was like the perfect size and the perfect everything at the time. Like, I've been to some Trouble and Bass had massive parties there. I've been to some like life changing club experiences there for sure i saw mode selector and bjork was on the floor next to me like wilding out by herself it was just like such a good club and it's funny because it was on banker and it was in like prime greenpoint area right now what was it on banker and i can't remember which it's now a luxury condo building right yeah people were like oh it's too far <laughs> now it's like in the middle of everything literally how fast things change i know I know, but like people would like, we would, I think every once in a while they would get like a shuttle from the L train. It was just a very Brooklyn, if you know what's up kind of club. We really didn't appreciate it for what it was because it, it was really sick and a, a little bit before its time, I think. Yeah. I also think it really captured that sort of like weird mix of like hip-hop new disco electro right. blog house thing that was happening right now you know yeah like a track and medi rest in peace you know they had their party there and uh institubes had their first tour there with whoever was on that yeah when luca was curses while dropped the lime and having doing both and we did flashing lights there and just so many things. Yeah. And yeah, there was a weird mix. Saw Rai Rai there for the first time. She stood on a chair with Black Star, and that was it. You know? And that was just this club that Mike Snow, I mean, like everyone literally played there. And it was just, you knew there was something good there, no matter what. Right. I was reading an old review of the Brooklyn Electronic Music Festival 2008. And the headliners were like Purple Crush and Treasure Fingers. Right. And I was thinking, can you describe like how Brooklyn has changed since that moment? <laughs> that was a funny like, festival what? because it was just kind of like, oh, Brooklyn's cool. But like it was before Brooklyn like is what it is now, you know? That was a crazy festival because I had a record out with Udachi at the time. So I think me and him both played. And... Juan McLean played with, like, full band and, like, everything, and it was sick. But this was before, like, Brooklyn was, like, on the international no. map. It was starting to be, and there were, like, there were, like, parties in Cobble Hill here and there. But right. it was more, like, loft parties and, like, weird parties. But, yeah, it was definitely, like, way before that. 
for sure. It's become something totally different than that weird little festival. That lineup was so strange. I just think if you look at, you know, Brooklyn Electronic Music Festival 2016 versus 2008, it's incredible. Yeah. The change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really grown. You know, Jen, Lion, and Katie have, like, kept it moving. And, like, this year was a lot different from even the past couple years, and it still worked. And people come to town for it. And, like, I think that's really cool. Um, you work closely with Dre Skull yes. um, and the label Mix Pack, which is this kind of crazy <laughs> mix of things that ranges from Palmistry and Geica to Sizzla and, and Vibes Cartel. And me. And you. <laughs> and weird me. Um, how, did you, how did you link up with Dre? Dre and I, speaking of the hollerboard, I think we were just kind of like internet friends through there. And, and like it was one of those top eight things on MySpace where you would see certain names around and if they were associated with certain people, you would kind of want to like check out what they were all about because you were trying to find like who you relate to the most musically. He invited me to be friends on MySpace and Uncle Luke was in his top friends. So I was like, oh, I can get down with this dude. Uncle Luke. I remember messaging him and being like, oh, two live crews and your top friends down. And then I met him at Sway on a Monday with Juicebox. And he was like this crazy bearded looking dude that I, I did not expect that to be him. It's funny because he's a really quiet dude. And he came up to me and was like, are you Jubilee? And then after that, we like kind of kept in touch on like instant messenger. We would send each other music, talk about music all the time. And He's just a really positive person and into really cool stuff. So it was really always great to like bounce things off of him and like see what he was also really good at finding artists way before they got big. I don't know if you've noticed. So I think we just kind of kept in touch and then we wound up being roommates down the road because me, him and Star Eyes were really all like friends and we all wound up living in this loft for a couple of years together and at the time, while we were living in that loft, we were, I think, like, we would pretty much all quit our jobs and were, like, able to survive with Brooklyn Rent at the time while doing that. And it's working on music a lot. And and then when I finally made my own solo record, he, he wanted it because it only made sense. We had been kind of, we would throw a party together every once in a while. We threw a couple, like, warehouse parties what was that venue called? Public Assembly. We threw a party there. And it just made sense to kind of start working together. And here we are in the studio. Are you just the talent for the label? Or do you also help bring artists on and, and no, do no, other no. stuff? I was a little bit more involved, I think, before. And mostly with just throwing the parties and like the radio show and stuff like that. But now I'm just talent for sure. And we have Suze here, the large who is the label manager who keeps it all together and really just kills it. And she's kind of like the brains behind a lot of the stuff that goes on and we can't live without her. And you guys have, um, you've traveled to Jamaica with, with Dre, right? I haven't. You have not. No, oh. they have. I've traveled to Jamaica, just not with Dre. <laughs> you've played, you've played in, in Jamaica a couple of times, right? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done the whole Kingston thing with them though. I want to. But I've kept it chill in the grill. It's <laughs> like in the resort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just like, and around there. One of the owners of Miss Lily's where I did the radio show kind of runs a show down there, Macoyas. And he's like, he'll book me here and there to like play there and kind of like, I'll chill for the week. 
And it's a really rad place if you know the right people that will keep you safe and show you good music and show you the places to eat and go and cool friends. And I'm, I'm hoping to do the Kingston thing soon, though. So, yeah, you would be interested in going down. If, I mean, I know that a lot of times, like, producers from New York will come down and yeah. they'll get a studio session for five hours and then vocalists will just come by one by one and do Yeah, voicings. you have to go there. Yeah. Getting a vocal from Jamaica is very hard. I'm not really in a rush to work with vocalists right now. That's the, That's kind of other people's job on this label. I just really like dance music a lot and tracks and... I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, there are a couple of people that I definitely want to work with. And I have gotten a couple of Jamaican vocals that I'm trying to figure out how to finish correctly. But that's not really what I'm doing right now, I think. I think I really like dance music a lot. And I do, I do love dance hall. But just I don't know if I have a place working on it. <laughs> In terms of the way Dre works on Mixpack, I'm curious, like, did you send him a lot of drafts and did you have feedback sessions or did you just send him oh, and you're tons. like, it's done? Yeah. Yeah. So he was a kind of hands-on yes. label yeah. director? Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I've never made an album and I never thought to make an album. It was kind of his idea. So, yeah, he had a big part in it for sure. And a big part in, like, the edits at the end, like, you know, he will always let me do what I want pretty much, but I'm definitely going to listen to him because he knows what he's doing he put the popcorn album together he made the vibes album like i'm not gonna like go against what dry skull says you know and he for sure lots of less listening sessions a lot of laying on the floor like listening to everything with eyes closed a lot of you know i worked on it in here and he's always in the office or like if i was in studio b he'd be in studio a a lot of texting like can you come in here real quick and and help me with this or like, you know, he helped me record with Hood Celebrity because like, I don't know how to track dance hall. Like, I don't know the format. You have to treat the vocals a certain way and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course he helped. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, thank God. Must be nice to feel like you're like in good hands. Like, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I trust everybody here a lot. And if we have different opinions, then so be it. But I would never not listen to their input and consider it just because they're pros, you know? So you guys won the Red Bull Culture Clash <laughs> in London this year. <laughs> Tell me about that. I told you, but we won. That was insane. Honestly, it was... I kind of never want to do it again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was really intense. The, the crazy thing was, is like, we had all these guests, and to them, it's just like a quick, I'm the shit guest spot. And then there's, like, me and Dre having, like, an anxiety attack that we're about to do this timed, very precise, very, like, judged in the O2 thing that we've been putting together that anything can happen. We don't know. So we were, like, so stressed and, like... <laughs> Who were you competing against? We were competing against the UKG All-Stars, which was, like, every UK garage. It, it was crazy. When you see a million... 17 year olds wilding out to a UK garage song in the O2 arena. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is not going to be easy. Um, and then we had Wiley and his crew. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal at all. Who, like, I love Wiley. 
Like I wouldn't be doing half of this if it wasn't for listening to people like Wiley. And then Wiz Khalifa, which will still be funny. And it was it was super intense and we did win, yes, but it was a very close call. For sure. What were the highlights? What were the biggest tunes of the night? Spice. Spice just murdered everyone, really. She just she's a goddess. <laughs> she like came out and did so me like it. And screamed at Wiz Khalifa, like, Wiz Khalifa, eat my poom poom. Is it a split? <laughs> and, like, I'm st- I can't stop thinking about it. Like, it's been, like, six months. And I I still, like, I'm just like, oh, you. She, like, came out in, like, a battle outfit. Like, she- she's perfect. Popcorn clearly was a highlight. He's- the-, the more Hennessy he drank, the funnier he got. And, like, he was just, like, such a good vibe and so funny. We brought out Big Nasty, and he came out wearing dreads. <laughs> There's a lot of highlights. There was a point where Wiz Khalifa's team brought out Ice Kid, who was like a protege of Wiley's and had, had disappeared completely off the face of the earth, like forever. And like just the look on the Grime team face when Ice Kid came out was just like, what is even happening right now? Like, there's, like, a gif of, like, everyone's face. Like, what the... F- like, like I think it's, like, Chipmunk and someone else. Like, is that Ice Kid? What the fuck? Like, there were some really crazy... Amber Rose telling Mix Pack to suck her dick. Wow. On screen. They, like, had a video of her. There was a lot of, like, very funny... There was moments. some huge Raga jungle. I think that was, like, the kind of icing on the cake, right? It was, like... I think that all together, like, our dub plates really just... We had, we had almost 100% dub plates. I don't think we didn't... I don't think we played anything that wasn't a dub plate, to be honest. You know, we really put in work. Like, yeah. and I think it was well-deserved. People thought that because of the ASAP year that Wiz Khalifa was just going to bomb, and they did a really good job. Like, they could have done a little bit better, maybe, but they really, like, did their homework. I mean, they brought out Ice Kid. <laughs> like, they, they had dub plates. They got the right people. They... They did the right stuff. Wiley just brought out everybody and they just went hard, like really quick. I mean, every, UKG, everyone, everyone killed it. I, it was crazy to be on stage with those people. Like you could just see the look on my face. Like people were tweeting like Jubilee looks like she can't stop smiling. And I'm like, that's because I have no idea what's going on right now. Like what is even happening? You've just like blanked out. I was You're no longer processing. blanked out. Like yeah. I was like. Like, DJ sets were, like, robotic. I was just like, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I just kept looking at Dre, like, is this, is this okay? Meanwhile, we have, like, 800 Jamaicans in our booth, like, spilling Hennessy, like, just shooting gun fingers, screaming in my ear, Spice taking selfie. Like, you know, like, so much going on in the booth when we're, like, trying to concentrate. Like, they don't understand, like... They're just there to, like, be crazy. Right, 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 right. So it's just, like, the most intense shit ever. And then, like, I didn't realize how many people were watching it. My phone is, like, blowing up. I had to, like, turn it off because everyone was like, yo, yo, this is crazy. Yo. (laughs) It's just, like, a lot. It's interesting. I was going to talk to you about I feel like Caribbean and Latin music have had a really big year in terms of, like, the United States and European club music. Do you think that... Do you, has this? Have you seen that become more of an influence in club music? For sure. Year? I mean, yeah. I think that we live in a place where it's always been here, and 
I always laugh because it's like dance hall is a new thing. And it's like, no, it's not actually. It has not left. Sean Paul didn't just disappear. Like it's here. But I think mainstream wise, thanks to Drake, Major Lazer, you know. Bieber, even with that beat. Bieber. Yeah. Like a lot of people, you know, Party Animals, a huge song right now. Yeah, it is. It is a huge influence at the moment. But, you know, it's not an easy thing to pull off. So I think that it's not. I hear a lot of top 40 trying to do it. And it's just. If you can't do it right, you can't do it right. You know, uh, even Rihanna work like was a huge, huge for dance hall. I feel people that didn't get it. I was like, you guys, it's a dance hall song. Like, like figure it out, you know, and it goes perfectly in a full dance hall set. It's definitely other places besides those cities right. now. But even even on in the underground level, like mm-hmm. you, I mean, you have Nafi, you have right. the Vala Club, Camilo, and and Santa Muerte, and I just feel like something's happening where like yeah. they're the you know audiences are open to it in a new way. And it's cool because Santa Muerte has been sending me tunes forever, but now is like their time. Yeah, they killed it at that Nafi party. Oh my god, they're so good. This is America. It's Latin. <laughs> like, there's Latin people everywhere. It should be popular. You know? I just think people are a little bit more open to it because it's good. So I think that, yeah, a lot of these people, it's like their time. And and even like Ica, I'm like, you know, it's a really good time for that sound. For sure. And it's crazy because I made wine up a while ago, but like... And it took forever for my album to come out because I was trying to finalize a lot of things. And I feel like it just came out at like the timing is really good because it fits in with a lot of this stuff, you know? Yeah, it's interesting from my perspective, like reviewing records for RA, you know, every week I'll have a great release that is based around like a dembo beat or a reggaeton beat, but doing some really inventive stuff with synthesizers and samples. And right. it's just like this is that's like the popping format or like the it's, it's just sexy. Yeah. And, like, I think that we really need sexy right now. Like, the bro time is over. <laughs> we really need, like, like, less pounding, hard beat, aggressive shit. And we, like, need more love in the club for sure. So I think that's a big part of it. We need more women. We need more dancing and less fist pumping and or standing and staring. Like, we need, like, whining music, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah think it's important that's what clubs are originally to dance like we need to dance yeah it's interesting how uh, like electronic music media like magazines and stuff many of which you've written for um (laughs) it seems like it's a bigger priority to talk about the gender imbalance for instance or lack of diversity and diversity is on a lot of people's minds yeah in in that in the dance music media yes Uh, is that something you've seen like, yeah, I think it's being talked about, which is good, but I think it needs to just stop being talked about. It needs to be done. I don't care about your females in music article. Like, just write about a female. Don't just write about it because she's a female. Like, these people have good music. I mean, my friends pitch their music all the time and hear nothing because they don't have a proper press person or they don't have an agent or a manager, which is another part of it. Like, agents and managers aren't picking up diverse people either so i mean look at any roster of any agency or any manager any booking agency it's like all white dudes (laughs) you know 
So it, it's deeper than like these articles. Like it needs everyone's help. If a cool girl sends her mix over or whatever, like I'm sorry that it's not an exclusive track, but hey, there's this really rad girl right now, like throwing a party and doing all this stuff. And it's just, just stop talking about it. Just do it. it. Yeah. It's been talked about to the death. I don't really believe in like female DJ magazine or like whatever. Like this is not helping. Or like all female lineup. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Sorry. I'll do it if it's like cool girls that I love and it's not mentioned. And if it's just like, hey, if you figure this out, then cool. And usually if I do it, it's just because the lineup is good. But like that shit is garbage. And there's more than enough right now to put in your lineup with to diversify. I want to talk about this, what's happening in, in this kind of mixed up genre of music that's happening in New York City that I kind of, people can't really find anything to call it except club. Because yeah. it's the stuff that integrates hip hop and integrates R&B, right. Jamaican, Latin. Like, how would you characterize like what's happening right now in quote unquote club? I think that there are a lot of very cool new people coming up that are making their own scene. And I think that's really important because you can sit here and be upset that you don't get booked and that you can't fit in or you make your own shit. And like, I've always been the kind of person that's like, Hey, you're not going to book me for these parties. I'm going to make my own party. It's booming right now and kind of crazy and might be a little oversaturated. There's a lot of very similar parties. And I think that, people need to like might need to team up a little more and work together on that but it will come i think that this is very new and i think that music production and djing is a lot different than it once was and people are figuring it out like look at venus she found her own way of djing like just because she like figured it out herself and kind of just like did her own weird looping and whatever she did and now started her own party and whatever. And now she's, she's Venus X and ghetto gothics, like this massive thing. I think a lot of people are just figuring out their own way to do music, whatever it takes. So I think that like, and everyone's kind of working together though, in a cool way, like, there's just all these kids from New Jersey and like young kids that like aren't even old enough to go out right now, <laughs> like stepping beyond SoundCloud basements and going out, which I think is a huge problem in dance music too, is like, it's a lot of people that never went to a club. And I think that like, it's important that these kids are going out all the time. Am I making sense? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's really cool. Like, I think that our DIY spaces right now are come and go. It's kind of hard for them because no bar wants them or club wants them to be weird. Um, They're also not going to spend that much money at the bar compared to a tech house. Right. Night. They're not. So I think that, you know, people are starting to throw house parties and loft parties and they have to because like... I mean, we've been talking about this for the past week, ever since Oakland, like, it's not easy, but they're finding a way to do it. And they're grouping up on Facebook and they're figuring it out. And I, I am on all these Facebook groups that I don't necessarily post in 
that much just because I hate Facebook. But I do see a lot of posts like from really cool people that are like, hey, I'm going to be in Berlin. And then like three people answer like, hey, let me help you play somewhere. And I think there is a really cool community now, like kind of the backlash of the no diversity, you know, all these things. And like they're finding their own way. Whoever stays in that scene will do really good things. You know, some people, they're just passing by and their kids and they just want to be there at the moment. Some people are going to just take it and run with it. That's how good stuff always starts out. I think the club thing is pretty crazy here right now. And people might disagree with me, but I'm lurking and I see it all. <laughs> and I have a lot of like super young DJ friends that are new to this that I've played with that are like, you know, have only been DJing like six months to a year and they're willing to look into it more than anybody and like figure it out and put in the work. And I love some of them and they're always there to tell me something new. The stuff they've shown me is super cool. And like, I will always help them out no matter what, because like, if you love music, you should be, you should be in every venue. You should be out, you know, I know you've been to a lot of them too. I mean, so, yeah, that's my... That's yeah, your shit. That's my my team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do think it's really interesting that it, this this is like the younger wave of people. Very uh, young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's sick. I wish when I was that age, that stuff was going on. Because I'm sure it was, but it wasn't electronic music. You right. know? I just think it's it's really, really cool. Well, because I remember when those kinds of, you know, mixing so many different influences was still quite a novel or like shocking thing to do. Yeah. And now that vernacular of like, I'm going to take some nine inch nails riff and put it over a Dembo beat. Right. That's completely normal. Not really my thing, but down. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Hey, if you're going to like that guy from Nafi Mexican Jihad, like he just goes all over the place. And like, you know what? All these kids in Mexico city, some of them are goth. Some of them like industrial music. Some of them like Vogue music. It works. Yeah. You know, like when I was in a dance music, when I was really, really young, it was like, you only listen to drum and bass or you only listen to house. And it was like very snobby. And I think that I like that these kids will play Taylor Swift into like whatever. That's how it should be. It's dance music. It's good. We're supposed to have fun. You know, I think a lot of people sometimes take the fun out of clubbing, which is like why we go out. So... I really think that these, this young scene is sick. And I really am interested to see what comes out of it in the next couple of years, for sure. Are there any producers to watch that you want to shout out that uh, RA listeners should go look up? There's a lot of DJs and producers that I really like. I love Shy Boy. I want to see Shy Boy everywhere at some point. Shy Boy is from the Kunk Collective. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sick. Abby. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She lives in Detroit. She's always on some crazy wave. She's a good vibe. There are so many cute, awesome DJs right now that I can't even deal. Speaking of Nafi, that that dude Lau is... I mean, I wouldn't say he's new, but like, I'm just really excited to see what goes on with him. I really like Ducky. I'm happy that she's like getting some shine. I think that she's an undercover soldier and like one day is just gonna like blow everyone's mind 
what I'm hearing from you is that you generally feel freaking excited about this moment in dance music. I do. Yeah. I think the more the world sucks, the more people are going to rebel. And like kids are angry right now and they need to have fun and have all the fun and like all this stuff that's going on in this country and this world is just like, it's nothing I could, I, I can do anything about it. And I only like music and my friends and my family. And like, that's what I'm going to do. And I think if you're younger and have less responsibilities, you'll even go harder with that. I'm super excited. And also like all these young kids are also doing like all these awesome activism stuff, which like we never did. Like, let's have a party and mail a letter to this governor to get in about this abortion law or like, like kids are f so cool right now. <laughs> like that, that studio Holy Rad in Brooklyn it's just like all these rad girls that are like in and out of music, but like they're kind of like have befriended like this woman, which by the way, they're all sick. And like they do all these events like, well, something just happened where they were like, no, we're going to all. Oh, with the Brock Turner thing where like they had a party and it's like basically to get in the party, you had to mail a letter to that judge. Then they had a cool party. I think that these things are really, really exciting because when I was 20 years old and some of these kids are cannot get into clubs, I, I don't think that would be what was on my mind. <laughs> I was like, okay, where's drugs? And like, my mom can't know I'm here and that's it, you know? So it's all like, it's not just the music scene. It's just like kids in general are like, everybody complains about millennials. And I'm like, no, millennials don't care about sexual preference they don't care there's all this stuff that they don't care about that like every a other asshole does like i think whatever they're doing is so important it at least in new york what i'm seeing anyways yeah they're woke they're so woke generation woke and they're not being told to be woke they're just cool <laughs> you know what's next for you what do you got God, what sleep. do you got on the to-do list i don't really know i'm gonna work on more music i have some stuff to finish up i'm in a whirlwind right now I will figure it out. I'm obviously going to do Magic City 3. Mix packs on fire. <laughs> We're doing a ton of stuff. It's not like I'm doing nothing, but um, I will find the next big project. And I have some things that I can't really talk about. I have the podcast on Thump that I've been doing. It's called The Pregame, which is before after hours, clearly. And there, there are some things coming up. I just, like I said, I don't like to talk about it until it's done. Some collabs. Word. Yeah. Word. Um, any other comments you want to make to our listeners? Just listen to my album and tell me what you think. Even if you hate it, I just want you to listen to it. Well, <laughs> you heard it, all right, listeners. You can leave a comment Yeah. right under here. Let her know what you think. Let me know what you think. Jess, thank you so much thank you. for having me to your studio. This was great. Everybody check out her album. It's called After Hours. It's out now on Mix Pack. It is. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Peace out. Every girl I go Party up me and me friends them stop. Every girl I went and go up now. Watch me and wine up me body, yeah. Watch me and move up me body, yeah. Watch me and wine up me body, yeah. Watch me and move up me body, yeah. Wine up, yeah, look up, wine up, yeah, body. Wine up, yeah, look up, wine up, yeah, body. Wine up, yeah, look up, wine up, yeah, body. Pack it up, pack it up,